This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio is looking for a new tattoo artist. Must be established with a strong portfolio and good work ethic. Stop by today at 13 Daggers across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Clarksville's ultimate tattoo studio. Tattoos, touch-ups, and consultations. See the artist's work online at 13daggerstattoo.com and get the custom experience you want with Killer Ink. Book today and get pricked by a pro. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Looking hard on the boulevard. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Jack Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike, Mike, Mike Tyson looked like a bulldog. He bad in him, too. He done whipped Mike Tyson there. He whipped all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. Big Joe Lewis's ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. I don't know how old he was to get it The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience. August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the fireman's chili cook-off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm Larry Frank. I'm your host for tonight. And another great, great, great show we have in store for you this evening. Thank you so very, very much for all of you that are joining in on several different platforms. We have people joining us on watching us live. Live on Roku TV. That's right. If you folks have a smart TV, go to Roku TV, download Northeast Streaming Sports, and you can watch Frankly Speaking Sports every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. and 6 Pacific. Also, we are on several different Facebook platforms. We want to, first of all, welcome all the different Tennessee Titans and Nashville Predators, uh, different fan clubs on tonight. Thank you so much tuning in, as well as Carolina Hurricane fans. Thank you so very much. We appreciate it uh, very, very much. We are on Facebook on Northeast Streaming Sports. Facebook on, frankly speaking, sports. We are also on LinkedIn. We are on YouTube. Two different YouTube channels. Northeast Streaming Sports and Frankly Speaking Sports. We are on Twitter as well. And then, of course, you get the opportunity also to listen to us on Sportswire Radio. That's right. Sportswire Radio is covering us tonight. And tomorrow, you can re-listen to this show 
That's right. We listen by going to TobaccoRoadSports.com every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 p.m. Central Time, and 8 p.m. Pacific. Thank you so very, very much. I want to let everybody know there is a message scrolling on the bottom of the screen. Please read it. Please interact. This is our show, not my show. Have a question, thought, opinion, or even a concern, go ahead, leave it under the comment section, and we will go ahead and put it live. Your comment live on the air and discuss your comment if it is a discussable comment. So thank you very, very much, folks. Please interact. We are about minutes away. You know, we talked earlier and uh, about the Tennessee Titans. We've been talking a lot about the Tennessee Titans, and we're going to continue to talk a lot about the Tennessee Titans as we are getting ready for rookie camps. I believe rookie camps start tomorrow. The times and dates of all the game released tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Uh, so lots and lots happening in the NFL um, and for the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, before the draft started, one of the specific needs that the Tennessee Titans needed was an offensive lineman. You have to get somebody to protect Ryan Tannehill. We've been talking about it since the season ended last year. You can't allow your quarterback to get hit, bumped, beat up, and sacked 47 times and expect this team to prevail, especially when you get to the playoffs. That may be okay in a weak AFC South, but remember these teams are starting to get better now, including Indianapolis, but it proved again during playoff time when your quarterback is consistently being rushed, mistakes are going to happen, whether it's sacks, fumbles, interceptions as it was versus the Bengals. We have to do something to protect Tannehill. What do they do during the draft? They got a beast of a tackle. Plays right tackle. Plays left tackle. And we're going to be discussing and learning more about him in five minutes when Alex Gleitman, Ohio State insider at Buckeye Scoop, joins us live to discuss Nicholas petit Ferrer, who was a second-team All-American, first-team Big Ten and he was our round three numbers 69 pick for the Tennessee Titans. We're going to be discussing him, but this guy is good. He's very good, guys. Listen to the statistics. I think I have it here. When you look at Nicholas Petrie Ferrer, he had 20 starts, both at left and right tackle, and this is the stat. If you want to get fired up, Titan fans, you want to get pumped. You want to get aggressive. You want to get loud. This is why. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. He allowed just 36 pressures, 36, and only three sacks. One more time. 36 pressures and three sacks in his entire college career. What are we basing that on? 1,593 Pass blocking reps. That's right. 1,593 passing reps. He's only allowed three sacks and 36 pressures. I'll tell you what. The Tennessee Titans are going to be so happy to have this guy. Third round pick in a draft that was just packed with offensive linemen. Of course, most noticeably, uh, what was it? Cross and uh, Evan Neal and... 
Nikki Aquanu, who actually just signed with the Carolina Panthers today. So we are going to have that luxury and honor of talking to Alex Gleitman in about two to three minutes. So we don't want to get into too much before he comes on. But the Tennessee Titans should be glad. You know, now they got a pass blocker and a rush blocker that they so dearly need. And, you know, when you talk about quarterbacks, you know, and people, you know, been giving Ryan Tannehill crap now ever since that game ended versus the Bengals. But you have the right quarterback. You have the quarterback that's consistently been getting you to the playoffs. Now we got to find out what do we got to do to help this guy get over the hump in the playoffs. And by adding a guy like Pereira, it definitely, definitely is a step in the right direction. And, you know, now you got to say for Tannehill, you got to get him maybe one more receiver. I like Burks. You guys heard yesterday we did, um, you know, a little segment on get to know Traylon Burks tonight. Like I said, we're going to do it on Nicholas Petit Ferrer in a couple of minutes. So we want you to know these guys and we want you to get to learn a lot about them. But, uh, you know, there are two receivers out there that they could go after the Titans. One is very inexpensive. The other, I'm not sure. You know, everybody's talking about Will Fuller. And it's not a bad choice at a wide receiver if you can pick him up cheap. But he is nothing that's extravagant or something that is, you know, replacing an A.J. Brown by any means. He is a guy that hasn't had over, I think he's had 800 yards, over 700 yards once in his six-year career. Um, the biggest season he had, 2020, eight touchdowns in a season. But he does have a 69% catch rate. The other guy that I would love to see them go after, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may not have a choice to let them go, hasn't played a lot there, but when he does play, he makes the most of his opportunity. Keep your eyes open, folks. Keep your eyes open for Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller is fast. He has speed. He can go up for a ball. He can outrun people. If they let him go, which they're talking possibly about doing that in Tampa Bay, it would be a steal for the Tennessee Titans to go after that talent and see what they can do with the guy who just happens to be a victim of circumstance. We have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronkowski out there. They got Tyler Johnson. They had Antonio Brown. There just wasn't enough room for Scotty Miller to play. So it'll be interesting to see what the Buccaneers do and what they go on doing with Scotty Miller and see if the Titans, if they really want a good receiver, I'm giving them the vote of confidence to go after this kid because he could be something very, very special with, especially with Traylon Burks and Robert Woods there. And he kind of, this guy would suit this team just fine with that outside speed. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a quick 10, uh, 15 second station break. And when we come back, we're going to have Ohio State insider Alex Gleeman. We'll be back right after this message.
This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Come back to Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank. And, you know, we talked earlier uh, about how uh, the Tennessee Titans needed offensive line help. They needed someone who can overpower, who can pass block, protect Tannehill, so that when he does get those opportunities to throw the ball, he has enough protection. And we also need somebody that can pass block, excuse me, rush block for the great Derrick Henry. Well, to give us more information, a gentleman that has got in the opportunity to watch Nicholas Petit Ferrer the last couple of years, let's welcome in uh, Ohio State Insider at Buckeye Scoop. Let's welcome in Alex Gleitman. Alex, how you doing today, buddy? Hey, Larry, I'm great. How are you? Hey, buddy, I'm good. Thank you so very, very much uh, for joining us today on Frankly Speaking Sports. Um, you know, I want to start right out, Alex, with, you know, all throughout this draft, you know, it was definitely offensive line heavy. I don't think there's any question about that. Probably more than any other position was offensive tackles, offensive linemen. You heard about Evan Neal. You heard about Icky Iquanu, um, maybe Cross as well. When you looked at Nicholas petit Frere, somebody that you've gotten to watch the last couple of years, how would you put him in comparison to those first-round draft picks? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I think there's a reason those guys were were selected in the first round, and and Nick, you know, dropped to the to the early third round, which is kind of where I saw him going. I thought maybe he'd sneak into the the late second round. I think he's um, well. First off, you know, he's played right tackle. He hasn't played left tackle. So when you talk about those value positions. Obviously, Evan Neal, I think, is the right tackle for the Giants. So he's a little bit different, but he's he's a sure thing as, as they come, I think, whether you inserted him at guard or tackle. I think he could even play on the left side. But Nick, while he has the athleticism to play on the left side, he's really primarily played on the right side at Ohio State. So that's a little bit of, uh, you know, knocks him a notch down when you th- look at him in the NFL scouts' eyes. And can he play the left side? Maybe. Will it be a learning curve? Absolutely. And I think he's got a little bit of a learning curve when it comes to playing NFL right tackle already. So I don't think you want to mess with that. I think you want to keep him on the right side. Um, that probably affected his draft stock a little bit. And then when you look at his film and his production, I think, you know, he's a really good player, but I don't think he's a guy who's who's really hit his ceiling yet. I think that that's the great thing for the Tennessee Titans. He's got tremendous upside. He hasn't, he scratched the surface, um, but he he really hasn't, uh, hit that ceiling yet. And um, I think when you look at guys in the first round, you want to look at a little bit more of a finished product. And so for those reasons, I'd say he's a little, uh, it, it makes sense why he was picked a little bit behind those guys. But I think push comes to shove when you look at this draft in five, six years down the line. I mean, you could be looking at Nick Petit Freer as a, as a, as a rock solid cornerstone of that offensive line for many years to come. And you might look back and say, that was worth, you know, that guy was worth a, a first round, a late first round pick. Uh, so I'm curious to see how he develops and grows uh, in that Tennessee Titans offense and, and with Mike Vrabel there. And um, I think they got a really great value pick at, at number 69 overall. 
you know, you, you look at his size, he's 6'5", I have the latest numbers, 310 pounds, and they still say, I don't know how they say this, but he still has room for growth. So, you know, that kind of scares me when they say he can still get bigger. How is a big guy like this able to move as fast as he does? Or maybe a better word is, how is he able to cover the ground that he covers? Yeah, I mean, he's just – he's kind of an athletic freak for his size. Uh, he was a five-star recruit, a top-10 overall recruit coming out of high school in, in Berkeley Prep in the Tampa area, and there was a reason for that. I mean, he he was definitely – you know, you knew he had to add weight to the frame, and as you kind of mentioned, he still has to add weight to that frame, I think, and get get stronger, get a little bit tougher. But as far as when you look at uh, a guy's feet, you know, ever since he was coming out of high school, the way he moves and, and how light he is on his feet for a guy his size, even when he's added the weight at Ohio State, it's just really impressive. And I think that's what made him so attractive as an NFL prospect is that athleticism. You talk about the speed rushers in the NFL that he's going to be going against, uh, especially in the AFC. And, um, you know, you're going to need that athleticism on the outside to make sure that, you know, you could get off the ball quickly and, and keep that guy outside of the pocket. You know, one of the things the Tennessee Titans needed to improve on Alex was pass protection. Last year, Tannehill was either sacked 47 or 48 times, was under duress even more. Um, you know, this is a young man in Fred that has the ability, you know, I've watched him some to steer passes out of the way, and he seems to use his hands pretty well. Yeah, you know, he's he's definitely a, a, a guy. He's he's a really, really smart player, first of all. I mean, this kid is like, he was top of his high school class. He was, you know, all academic. He, the academics are off the chart at Ohio State, too. You know, graduated. He's a really smart kid off the, off the field as well as on the field. And when you talk about being a student of the game and the fundamentals, I mean, there's no doubt that that's, that's an area he's going to excel. Like, fundamentally, he's very sound. Uh, and to go with that athleticism is is definitely a rare combination. So for me, I think, you know, the areas he needs to improve are getting stronger. And I would say getting a little bit tougher, playing with a little bit more of that nasty streak. And when you play for Mike Rabel, hopefully some of that rubs off on you. Um, you know, I, you know, Mike's an Ohio State guy. I'm sure he's talking to Ryan Day and, and talking to other guys he knows there um, about Nick. And, and that, you know, that's one of the reasons they went in and got him. Um, but they probably know where his deficiencies are too and where they need to kind of uh, push him a little bit. And, and I'd say playing with a little bit more nasty in his game and, and getting stronger are the two things that I think he needs to do to excel at the next level. But when you talk about keeping Ryan Tannehill clean, I mean, the athleticism, the fundamentals, and the intelligence, uh, being able to know what the defense is going to do and the stunts, the twists, and all that, and, and being able to adjust to that, I, I don't think that that's going to be a problem for him. You know, everybody knows, obviously, about C.J. Stroud and what he did last year, what he might do this year, obviously. And you had an unbelievable running game as well. A lot of people, you know, overlooked that because of Stroud. I believe Henderson rushed for, what, over 1,200 yards, if I'm correct, last year. How much of an impact did Frere have on that running game? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he was good. Uh, there's no doubt he was good, I think. Ohio State did have some uh, trouble in third and shorts and fourth and shorts. And I think that was probably more an issue with the interior of the line versus the guys on the edge. Um, so I, I personally think that, um, you know, I, I know he was on the left side this year, actually. He, he, 
he did he did a pretty good job. They they bumped Thayer Mumford inside, and uh, on the other side they had Paris Johnson, who's going to play left tackle this year, playing right guard. And I think part of the issue for Ohio State was they had tackles playing guard, and I think for the run game in pass pro it was great, but I think for the run game it was not something that um, was very uh, productive in that short yardage situation. So I didn't really see much of a problem with Nick. He struggled a little bit at the end of the year. I think he was dealing with a lingering injury. But, you know, throughout most of the year, he was pretty good in the in the run blocking situation. So I think, you know, especially when you got Derrick Henry behind you, he always makes you look good. He'll he'll find the hole. He'll beat some guys. He'll break some tackles. Um, but I, I don't think that that's going to be an issue for him. Let me ask you this, Alex. Um, he's a third round pick, number 69. Knowing what you know about him, watching him play, I know you mentioned he needs to get a little tougher, which in the NFL you better get tougher because you know what will happen to you if you don't. But does this young man have the ability to start in the NFL? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I made a mistake before. I mentioned he he only played the right side. He did play the left side this year, but before that he primarily was on the right side. Right. They made the switch late this year and decided to move Munford, who started at left tackle previously, inside to left guard and move Nick out to the left side. That was a decision made kind of later in the summer and right before fall camp. So, um, you know, he I, I still think he's a right tackle in the NFL. Um but I, I think he's a starter in the NFL for sure. Uh, year one, I don't know. Uh, I know that's what you expect these days from a third round pick to be able to come in and, you know, j join that lineup right away. I think he can contend, you know, battle and compete for a position this year. But I think, you know, year two and beyond, as I said, I think you might be looking at this guy five, six, seven, I mean, maybe even 10, 12 years as a guy who's a, maybe never like a pro bowler or a multi-year pro bowler or an all pro or hall of fame or anything like that. But I think you might look back. I think you're going to look back on him in whatever, 10, 15 years and say, this guy is a rock solid, no doubt about it starter on a good team in the national football league. You know, you do a lot of different things in the NFL. It's a lot more complicated as you know, than college football. Although Brad did play at a big-time school like Ohio State. You mentioned earlier about his learning and stuff. Do you think that he'll be able to adapt quickly to all the different types of stunts and maneuvers some of these defensive linemen do? Do you think he's, his intellect and his uh, you know, IQ, football IQ is smart enough to figure that out? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, no concerns for me about that stuff. Um, I, that, that part is, is a no doubt about it. I just think, again, it's, is he going to be strong enough? Is he gonna, you know, play with a little bit more nasty in his game? And I, I think those are the things he needs to do. I think the fundamentals, the footwork, the intelligence, I have zero doubts that he'll make that adjustment again. You know, there might be a year to get adjusted to the, even at Ohio state, you know, you, you play the best of the best in practice and in games, but there's still an adjustment from the speed and the level of sure. competition in the NFL. So maybe it takes a year for him to, to kind of, you know, get under his belt. But I think long-term, I don't think the Titans will have any concerns on that front. We're talking to Alex Gleitman, Ohio State Insider at Buckeye Scoop. Um, Alex, you know, there's so much made of, and I'm not a big fan of this, and I'd love to get your opinion on 
after the season is over, and these guys, obviously, they know who's going into the NFL draft, who declared themselves. A lot of them go to the combine. And they start judging people on, you hear about arm length and wingspan and hand span and vertical jump and broad jump and so on and so on. How much of that is when you're analyzing an offensive lineman or any position thereof, how important is that? Or is that just more, you know, for the heck of it? Because, it, you know, to me, I don't care how big, how small, how far you can reach, um, you know, whatever. I just want to care about can you play football or can't you play football? Yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately it always comes down to that. But when you're evaluating these guys that all can play football at the highest level under the NFL in, in college football and especially big time college football, I think there has to be a way to differentiate them and try to project, you know, do they have room for growth? Uh, how does their game translate to the next level? And I, I don't think all the things at the combine, like I think a 40 yard dash for a lineman is, is really silly. Uh, I know a lot, they look at the splits a lot and the, the 10 yard split and things like that. But I think the 40 yard dash is silly to look at that number. I think there's some other things that, that are a little silly, but I don't think, you know, when you look at a guy, especially like Nick, who's super athletic and being able to see how he, athletic he is versus the other lineman and, and, and things along those lines. I mean, it just helps you evaluate and it helps you understand how he's going to be able to translate that game to the next level. So, you know, that's, that's one part of it. And then the measurables, I, I, again, I agree. Like you turn on the film, if you could play football, you could play football, but you know, the reach obviously, you know, important, the size important, you want to be able to, to have those things translate to the guys that have had success doing it in the league. And there's a reason why, you know, long arms and uh, certain, you know, height and weight and, and things along those lines are, uh, are measured because, you know, you, you look at the best defensive linemen and defensive ends in the NFL and the guys who have been, had success stopping them, you know, all have certain things in common when it comes to measurables and athleticism and things along those lines. I'm going to jump from talking about Nicholas Petit uh, Frere to a uh, little bit before I let you run about Ohio State. You know, the what, camp's going to be opening up here, what, in 30 days, 30, 45 days? I don't know the exact date in the back of my head, but what is the outlook for the 2022 Ohio State Buckeyes football team? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems silly saying this because it almost feels like, you, you know, that's the expectation every year in Columbus, but – I think it's championship or bust. And I, I, you know, I, as a realistic person who analyzes the team, I think that's not the case every year. Last year went in and I don't think it was championship or bust. I think the expectation was still to win the big 10 and go to the college football playoff, even breaking in a first year quarterback and questions about the defense and things along those lines. But for me, when you bring back what they're bringing back on offense uh, with CJ Stroud, who is a Heisman finalist last year and a Heisman favorite this year, uh, potentially number one overall pick in the draft. You got Travion Henderson, a superstar freshman last year, number, you know, entering his second year. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, you know, was arguably the best receiver on a team that had two first round picks at receiver go in this year's draft. And Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, he returns along with five star studs that Brian Hartline's filled that room with. And I know they lost Nick, they lost Thayer Munford on the offensive line, but they feel pretty good about the guys that are replacing them. With the offense they have, forget about the defense for a second. Um, you know, I think that that's going to be the expectation regardless. But then you talk about the defense, which with a halfway decent defense last year, they probably walk into the playoffs. They bring in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. 
completely revamped the, the defense. He's gotten full autonomy there. Um, simplified things, letting guys play faster, not think as much and just play with their instincts. These, these four and five star studs that they've recruited over the years, changed the system up a little bit, brought in a few guys from the transfer portal, uh, brought in a really good freshman class and developed the guys that they already had. And I think there's optimism for the defense. They don't have to be the, you know, Georgia defense of last year. Right. If they're a top 25 defense in the country, which is, they should be more than capable with the talent they have on their roster, you know, there's no reason that they shouldn't be playing, in my opinion, probably Alabama in the national championship come January 9th. Yeah, you know, all last year you heard about Bryce Young. Bryce Young, and don't get me wrong, we heard about C.J. Stroud too, but it seemed like he was always on the back burner when it came to Bryce Young. You get to watch, you know, the, the luxury of watching this kid play C.J. Stroud every week how good is cj stroud i think he's awesome um you know he took a little bit of he was hurt a little bit in the beginning of the year he took a little bit i think of a uh he had some like learnings uh throughout the first half of the season being the first year quarterback second year overall and, and the 2020 year was kind of weird with covid and everything like that not really having the full off season to prepare so um, it took him a little bit, but he, I mean, you saw what he did toward the end of the year, Michigan state, Michigan, um, in the, in the Rose bowl against Utah. I mean, this kid, what he was lacking was confidence and he got that confidence as the year went on. And you, you add that with his amazing raw skill set and the development he's had over the off season. I just, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt. I mean, again, Everything from Heisman, Big Ten Championship, National Championship, and potentially being the first number one overall pick in next year's draft, to me, are all on the table for him. You know, and you're going to look from this year to next year. This year, you had a quarterback class where one quarterback went in the first round, and then basically none of them went until the third round. Next year is going to be a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you saw, and, and I kind of give the, the, the GMs in the NFL a ton of respect because I really thought that they would uh, reach for some of these guys in this year's draft and and take some of them early. But, um, you know, really, Pickett was the, the only quarterback in the first round, and I thought everyone else was patient and, and took guys where they should have been taken. I thought Malik Willis, I, I, that was a great pick by the Titans. He should have went earlier than he went, I think. Um, but you know, other than that, I, I, I was surprised that the GMs waited that long, but next year, I don't think that's going to be the case. Stroud, no Bryce Young. I mean, they're already talking up Will Levis and, and, yep. uh, and Van Dyke at Miami. And, and there's a few others, uh, that, that, I mean, they're talking, there could be five, six, maybe even seven first round quarterbacks next year. So it's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, uh, what, uh, what, what happens next year, but, Look, you know, if you look back at this point last year and who was projected to be, you know, number one picks and things like that, I mean, it's it's completely different. So it's hard to sit here on, you know, May 11, 2022 and, and figure out what's going to happen sure. in April 2023. There's a lot of football to be played, a lot of film to be studied. But I think it's, I mean, there's no doubt it's a much better quarterback class next year. Who did you think, in your opinion, you got to watch most of them, who did you think in this that just passed in your opinion was the best quarterback to go first oh man I, honestly i don't know if any of them were uh <laughs> right no a lot of people don't 
Yeah, I just, you know, I I like Willis. I'm a I'm a little biased to Kenny Pickett. I covered him from when he was like a sophomore in high school over here in Jersey. And uh, you know, I don't know though. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. I I I think probably Pickett or Willis. I wasn't sold on Desmond Ritter. I like Matt Corral, but I, you know, from an NFL perspective, I just don't know there. I think it was one of those two guys. So as I said, you know, if Pickett was picked in the first round, number 20 overall, if the Titans got, in my opinion, at least at worst, the second best quarterback in this draft in the third round, middle of the third round, uh, you know, incredible value, just incredible value. Last question. I'm going to let you run, Alex. Um, you know, something happened. Speaking of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, you know, the big NIL story that came out of there. And I'd love to get your opinion because you've been following Ohio's, Ohio State, covering them for a while now. The NIL to me, and I believe that players deserve to make some money. You're not going to hear me ever say something different, but I think it's getting out of hand right now. And when you see schools actually, to me, it looks like schools are buying players. That's basically what happened out there. What are you, your thoughts from, you know, you cover a big time school like Ohio State that has the ability to do exactly what happened at Pitt. I mean, does there need to be boundaries and guidances that say, no, 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 we can't be buying players and offering them money from the school in order to get them to come to our school? No, I mean, look, that wasn't the intent of NIL. It, it, it really wasn't. And, right. you know, they, they got to, um, they got to, you know, they got to figure it out and, and figure out a way to crack down. I know they just came out with a ruling this week about punishing the boosters that are basically trying to buy the guys like Jordan Addison and, and things like that. I, I, the intent was to be able to allow players to profit off their name, image, and likeness. It wasn't to create free agency in college football. Um, sure. And, you know, a kid going to the mall and signing autographs for fans who are willing to pay for that is completely different than a booster going to a kid and saying, we want to pay you $3 million to come play for our school. So I, I don't know what the solution is. That's, you know, guys way above my pay grade have to figure that but out. Alex, but is that any different than what they're doing about, you just said, boosters paying people. No, that's what they're doing. That's what is it any different than what Adidas did to pay players? No, but that wasn't that wasn't right either. And um, you know, that wasn't legal either. That wasn't that wasn't legal for the rules. And all those guys got busted and put in jail and lost their jobs, the coaches that helped facilitate those things. So, you know, I I they gotta figure it out. The intent was not to use it as a tool in the sense of paying kids to come to your school. It, it was used, you know, as a recruiting tool, it was like, what's your program to help the players maximize their profit and build their brand and, and the revenue and profit they could create while they come to your campus. But it wasn't, Hey, Nick Petit Frere, let me pay you $4 million to come play at Ohio state for the next three to four years. So they got to figure that out and uh, they got to do it quick. All right, Alan. So listen, buddy, I want to thank you so very, very much taking time out of your hectic schedule to Join us here on Frankly Speaking Sports. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Stay safe. All right. That was Alex Gleeman, Ohio State Insider at Buckeye Scoop. We're going to go ahead and take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk Nashville Predators. What's next? We're also going to talk Carolina Hurricanes. They're playing the big, bad Boston Bruins. And guess what? They're winning the series so far. Three games to two. That and much more 
when we return here on Frankly Speaking Sports. Did you know that tattooing dates back to the Stone Age? Did you know that tattoos were once a symbol of high society? Did you know that Theodore Roosevelt had a tattoo? Did you know that 13 Daggers has been serving the area for nearly a decade? Whether you want bright, vibrant colors or death filled from black and gray, let 13 Daggers create a custom piece of art just for you. Schedule your appointment and come get pricked by the pros. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio, across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Walk-ins, always welcome. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Looking hard on the boulevard. Here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we ask the tough questions. Hey, you got any left-handed footballs? We're never afraid to tell you how we feel. Oh, we look like the damn bad news bears. We'll debate sports. We'll debate anything. Man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Not the win out of me. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. No matter what, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has you covered. I'm going to come right back at it. You're listening to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience. August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the fireman's chili cook-off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to you, Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank. And I'll tell you what, folks, you know, I said it earlier, and I'm not the I told you so type of person, but I said it earlier before the playoffs started. And people ask me, what two teams do you think are going to be able to play in the finals? And I told people, I do not think the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we'll get into in a minute, will win the Stanley Cup again. I also didn't believe the Florida Panthers would win the Stanley Cup. And people say, well, how can you say that? You know, they're the President's Cup champions, the best record in the NHL. Well, that's why I said it, because that usually does not happen when a team wins the President's Cup. But the two teams that I picked was first Colorado Avalanche, which just defeated the Nashville Predators and swept them four games to nothing. Unbelievable team there. Just unbelievable team that they have there with those two unbelievable goal scorers. And I said the Carolina Hurricanes. People said the Carolina Hurricanes. I said, yes, the Carolina Hurricanes. When you look at the Carolina Hurricanes, folks, you'll Take a team is consistency among every single player. When you want to describe the word team, there is no better definition or example in the NHL than the Carolina Hurricanes. Everybody on that team, when you look at this team, let me see if I have it, throughout the year, you have Sebastian Ayo had 81 points, Shreknikov, 69 points, uh, Terevenin, 65 points. You got what, Trocek and D'Angelo, 51 points. 
Everybody contributes on this team. 37 goals by Aho. Schmeckbegoff, 30 goals. Uh, what is it? Niederreiter, 24 goals. Um, Stahl, 17 goals. Fast, 14 goals. They got Slavin here, who I love to death. Job is here. They have just an incredible, incredible team. And nothing was more evident than last night's game. They're playing the Boston Bruins. The hurricane of the Boston Bruins last night, five to one, five to one to go up three to two in the, I think it's three to two. Yeah, three to two in that series. And when you look at this game, they controlled this game from the get-go. Um, Andy Ranta had 33 saves in the game. And he's to be unbelievable to have this guy when you have uh, you know, Frederick Anderson, who went out, uh, you know, before the series with an injury, hasn't been able to play. But Ranta has been fluent in that and doing a great, great job. Seth Jarvis had two goals yesterday. Tony D'Angelo, a goal and assist. It started off like this, folks. 6-11 in the first period. Jacob Slavin with his second goal. It uh, was assisted by D'Angelo and Aho. And then six minutes later at 12-17 of the first period, Tony D'Angelo, the power play. That's right, the power play. They made two or five power plays last night. It was 2-0 at the end of first. Second period, it was just Carolina. 15-52 into the second period. Seth Jarvis scored his first goal of the game. It was assisted by who? Oh, that's right. Aho and Taranovin each had the assist. Then in the third period, 331 in, Seth Jarvis scores his second goal of the game. That was the second power play by Carolina. After a goal by Clifton of Boston, 1620 left in the game. They're down by three. Boston Bruins pull their goalie, and Trocek gets his third of the playoff. Final score, five to one. Carolina leads that series, three games to two. Meanwhile, Toronto comes back after that devastating loss in Tampa Bay. They come back and they defeat the Lightning, four to two. Lightning was up in this game, two nothing after the first period. They were outscored three goals to one in the third. William Nylander had a goal and two assists. Tavares had a goal, and Austin Matthews also had a goal for Toronto, who now leads that series uh, three games to two. Meanwhile, out west, the Wild and the Blues. Blues are now up to two. They win five to two. That's right. How about Vladimir Tarasenko? Three goals in the game. Meanwhile, Jordan Biddington for St. Louis had 30 saves in net. Great, great, great game by them. The Wild was two for two on the power plays despite losing the game. And the Blues were one for two on the power play. The, the Kings now lead this series. Excuse me. The Blues now lead this series three games to two. Then it was L.A. again overtime. Defeats the Oilers by the score of 5-4. to four. It was 1-12 in overtime with Adrian Kemp 
got his second goal of the playoffs to give the Kings the lead. Two goals and an assist. Meanwhile, Connor McDavid of Edmonton had a goal and two assists in this game. As far as tonight goes, folks, let's get you updated. It's the Rangers with 16 seconds left in this game. Turn it on, baby. 16 seconds left. Rangers are leading 4-3. to 4-3 to three Rangers are leading. Uh, the Rangers are right now out shooting the Penguins. 34 to 31. It looks like Chris Kreider had a goal in the first. Jacob Truber for the Rangers had a goal. Ryan Strom and then Ryan Lindgren. And as far as the Penguins, it was Peterson, Malkin, Gwensel, and Malkin again. Um, I'm sorry, that was penalties. I don't know what I was reading there, folks. Let's try that again. Quenzel had his sixth goal in the first period, and then Latang and Quenzel got his second goal in the second period. Meanwhile, the Rangers were down uh, by one. They scored two goals in the third period, and that game is just about over. We will try to keep you updated if we can with a final score. So that's that, folks. Let's take a quick, one more quick break, and when we come back, we're going to end the show talking about the Nashville Predators. We'll be back right after this message. The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience, August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the fireman's chili cook-off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio is looking for a new tattoo artist. Must be established with a strong portfolio and good work ethic. Stop by today at 13 Daggers across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Clarksville's ultimate tattoo studio. Tattoos, touch-ups, and consultations. See the artist's work online at 13daggerstattoo.com and get the custom experience you want with Killer Ink. Book today and get pricked by a pro. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Looking hard on the boulevard. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Captain Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike, Mike Tyson looked like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He done whipped Mike Tyson there. He whipped all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something once for all. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. It Joe Lewis's ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. I don't know how old he was to get it Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. Want to remind everyone 
on the bottom of the screen. Read the message. If you want to go ahead, you have a thought, an opinion, a question, a concern. We have a comment section. Leave it under the comment section, and we'll go ahead, and we'll try to get it on the air as soon as possible, and we'll the topic you want us to discuss. Don't be shy. You don't have to be on Facebook. You can be on Twitter. You can be on LinkedIn. You can be on, uh, you know, any of these. You have a comment section there. Leave the comment. We'll go ahead and we'll put it on. Once again, I want to thank everybody on all our different platforms, from Facebook to Sports Wire Radio. That's right. Sportinarium.com. Listen to all the great shows on Sportswire Radio. And let's not forget my good friends from Tobacco Road Sportsradio.com. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Eastern Time, 10 p.m. Central and 8 p.m. Pacific. You can listen to Frankly Speaking Sports once again on Tobacco Road Sportsradio.com. Oh, folks, what a great day. Tomorrow night, we're going to have the NFL is going to release the time and dates of all the opponents that your team is playing. We already know the opponents, but now we get to find out, are we playing certain teams in the cold? Are we playing them in the warmth? We're playing them inside. We're playing them outside. All that good stuff will be revealed tomorrow at 8 p.m., and I'm sure some of that will get leaked out tomorrow as well. So looking forward to that. Um, I believe training camps, uh, rookie camps are opening up as well. So lots and lots of excitement. We get to see the rookies for the first time, find out, you know, what they're thinking, how they're looking, what they need to work on, what they already excelling at. It's just a fun time to be a sports fan. We got the NBA playoffs. The Grizzlies start trying to hold off elimination tonight against the Warriors. They'll have to do that without John Morant. That game is underway, and it'll be obviously on for the next couple hours. So you'll be able to watch that immediately following, frankly speaking, sports. But the big news, we've talked about it the last couple of days, and we'll continue to talk about it, and I'll tell you why, is the Nashville Predators. What is David Poley going to do? First of all, are they going to keep David Poley as GM? We talked about this the last couple of nights. The other big question is, is John Hines going to remain the coach of the National Predators? And the first thing you have to ask yourself, folks, it's real easy. And I said it. I think we need a new coach. Okay, I haven't been here as long as a lot of you. But for my small sample size of watching John Hines as a coach, he doesn't seem like he has the discipline and accountability to hold these players accountable for when they make mistakes and they do things over and over again that causes the team to lose hockey games. And if you can't control your team and you don't have accountability over your players, you're definitely not the right coach for this team. Now, saying that, I want everybody in the Nashville area that roots for the Predators to understand something. Before you go out and get a new coach, you got to find someone that is already better than what you already had. You know, it's really easy to say John Hines needs to be replaced, but who are you going to replace him with? You know, we talked about there are people better than him out there. 
Barry Trotz being one of them, who was surprisingly let go by the New York Islanders, is a much better, successful, and proven coach than John Hines is. That's number one. John Hines' thing was supposed to be developing young players, this and that. I, you know, I haven't been here all these years, and some of these players have been here. But I don't see necessarily that happening at an unbelievable rate. Not that you don't have some players that have developed, but more than having players develop, you need to develop a team, a culture, an aura, so that this team can play together as a team and not as individuals. Number two, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I'll tell you what. This happens, you need to fire John Hines right away. They're talking about in Tampa Bay, here's a coach that has won two Stanley Cups in a row, and they're talking whether John Cooper would be let go if he loses Toronto in the first round. Are they crazy? Are they ludicrous? Are they stupid? Probably the best coach in the NHL over the past couple of years. I'll tell you what, if I'm David Boyle or Papoli, and they let John Cooper go, I follow John Hines immediately and hire John Cooper. No if, and, or buts. You look at that team. Connor Ingram came from that team. Connor Ingram, a backup goaltender who played pretty well under the certain conditions in these playoffs, came from Tampa Bay Lightning. They are known for producing, developing players and a winning culture. John Cooper's let go. You go after him immediately. Otherwise, you should be, I don't even want to say it, okay? But, you know, John Cooper would be great here in Nashville. You folks would love him. But I would find it hard to believe, you know, I'd be more surprised than seeing Barry Trotz leaving the Islanders, James Borrego leaving the Hornets. This would be the biggest stunner if it was to happen. I personally don't see that happening. But, you know, we, we talked about Barry Trotz. Trotz would, be, would definitely be um, a good fit. But the big question here is, first of all, if you, you have to communicate with the fans. And right now, you know, the front office of Nashville is not doing an adequate job of letting the fans know what happened. Let them know either way. Just like the um, Carolina Panthers let their fans know that Matt Rule was staying. That's what the Panthers need to do. They need to come out and either say, he's our guy, he's going to be here next year, or say, it's time to make a change. But my honest belief here, folks, and I could be wrong, I'm not saying Ori's right, is they may be waiting out this first round of playoffs to see what happens to some of these coaches who do not get through the first round. There will be some changes. Not that I necessarily agree with it. You know, you look right now, you see Hines got to the first um, playoffs. You know, we're talking about him getting removed. There's going to be other coaches other cities, other platforms that say, this is just not good enough for us. Are the national predators waiting to see what happens before they make a decision with Boyle? They know Barry Trotz is out there, okay? They know him. He's been here before. But are they waiting to see if anyone better than maybe Barry Trotz 
comes available. You don't know, I don't know, but whenever they know for sure what they're gonna do, they need to discuss it. They need to talk to the public, let their fan base know what's going on. One way or another, the fan base doesn't have to agree. The fan base is not in charge of making those decisions, but at the end of the day, you know, it'd be nice for them to open up and at least let them know what direction they're going in. And, you know, you listen to Philip Forsberg today, and they ask him whether he's coming back. Well, you know, as much as he says, he says all the right things. You know, I love to come back. I love this team. I think this team is in the right direction. The only thing I didn't like that Forsberg said is, we did better than people expected. Okay, I don't know. Maybe I was coached wrong growing up. Maybe I've been around, and I've been around some great coaches, whether it's Billy Martin in baseball, Don Shula in football, and so on. And so Pat Riley in basketball, okay? Doc Rivers in basketball, and so on, and so on, and so on. You know, and these coaches always had the expectation that they were going to win. What coach starts the year at the beginning of the year and tells their guys, we're going to suck. We're not going to play well this year. We're going to be bad this year. If you do that, you shouldn't have a job. Your expectation should be year in, year out, game by game by game, that you are going out there to win. And you believe in your heart every single game you play that you should win. If you don't think you have have a good enough to compete, then that's a story where you need to sit down with your general manager and get your crap together. Because if you don't feel you have the right team, you need to open up and speak out and get the right team. But for somebody to say that we exceeded expectations when you don't get to even get out of the first round of the playoffs is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And I love Forsberg, please. He's a great talent, a great hockey player. But at the end of the day, how low is your goal? How low is your goal? Is your goal to win 20 games? Hey, we won last year. Let's go ahead and win 20 this year, and we'll exceed expectations. Or do you go what people say? All these rankings said we shouldn't have been here. We should have been down lower. Those are expectations made by people that don't play the game. They don't play the game. At the end of the day, your expectation should be to win. If you don't go out there believing that you could win every game that's out there, you should not be playing the sport you're playing. Now, you may get beat and that's fine, but you have to believe in yourself when you take that ice. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of all of us here on Frankly Speaking Sports, we want to thank you very, very much for tuning in this entire week. A reminder that we're going to have some great, great shows coming up next week right here on all of our same platforms. On behalf of all of us here at Frankly Speaking Sports, we want to thank you so very, very much once again. All the Predators group, Hurricane groups, um, Ohio State fans tonight, Tennessee Titan fans, all of the groups, thank you so very, very much for continuing to make our show, and I stress our show, a continued success as we keep growing, 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 and even growing more. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 
8 p.m. Central and 6 Pacific. Good night.